0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plainsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. My name is Pastor Mike Kane, and Pastor Ron asked me to fill in today. And uh, the first thing I want to say is how many of you volunteered during Vacation Bible Adventure? I just want to say on behalf of all of the pastors here, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the volunteers. Wasn't it awesome to see all those kids sharing the gospel, hearing the gospel, making a difference? You know, 20 years ago, 20 years ago this month, I came to Faith Living Church with my family. And I had four kids at the time. I have six now, but I had four at the time. They were ages nine, six, four, and one and a half. And does anybody remember? Was anybody here 20 years ago? Do you know, does anybody know, an award to anybody who can guess this, okay? What was the theme of Vacation Bible Adventure 20 years ago? 2003. I heard it. Somebody said it. The Big Dig. You got it. It was the Big Dig. He knew it. And you're only in a, a year and a half, I think, right? Now, Betty, did you know that? I think you did, right? You're, that's right, right. But it was 20 years ago. What a testimony to Faith Living Church to have a vacation Bible adventure in this community. Amen? It's an awesome thing. Every, every year, I wasn't able to contribute as much as I would like to from a volunteer standpoint. I did help with the bleachers, but when I saw that video last week, it just touched me uh, to see that, Vacation vacation Bible Adventure lives on. Amen? And it continues to have a great impact in our community. So this week, I want to kind of continue with the theme that Pastor Ron talked about last week. He talked about what we say has great creative power. How many of you know that the words we use are powerful? Are they not? And he talked about the fact that we are made in the image of God, right? And God had creative power when he said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. It happened. So because we're made in the image of God and because God had creative power in the words he said, we have creative power. There's a powerful choice we make every day. In the words we use, we have a choice to make a positive impact with our words, and we have a choice we can make a negative impact with our words. We can either speak life. Does everybody like this image back there? Isn't that nice? Speak life. Everybody say, "Speak speak life. Or we can also speak death. It's a choice we make every day. And it's not only what we say, but it's the very words. We use. Um, I as I was studying this week, I came across this video, and it showed uh, this video of it was a blind man, and he was sitting in a public place, and he had a little little can out there to take you know to take donations, and people walked by, and there was a sign he had next to him that says, "I'm blind, please help." And so as the people walked by, every once in a while they'd throw a you know a penny or coin or nickel or whatever. And then a woman came by, a young woman, and she changed, she took the sign, and she wrote something different on it. And she put the sign back down, and after she wrote, she changed the words on the sign, everybody that came by, they were just giving that blind man all of their change and all of their donations. They, everybody, not just one out of ten, but everybody was giving donations, So the question is, well, what did she change on that sign? What was the words? What was the change of the words? And she said, it's a beautiful day outside, but I can't see it. I can't see it. So just the what we say and how we say it has a huge impact. Look at what happened. Look at the result of what happened. Those positive words changed what people felt and inspired them to give like if they wouldn't have given If that sign hadn't changed. So our words have great power. Power to do good. And how many of you know our words have power to do bad, right? Look with me in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs 18 and verse 21. It says this. It says the tongue. Can everybody see that scripture over me? It says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Our tongue can either speak life or it can speak death. And in my study this week, I looked and I, and I read a, a statistic that research shows that for every negative comment we make, it takes five positive comments to offset that one negative comment. And haven't you ever had that experience where You said something and you wish you didn't say it? You wish you didn't say it? Because you may not have intended it to to have the result it did, but it had a negative result. And we can't take it back, can we? We can ask forgiveness, but we can't take what we said back. So how can our tongue bring death? How can it bring death? Through the words we use, right? Through the, the tone that we say them. And through the words we use. And then it says, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. How many of you would say, let's be honest, you love to talk? Come on. A couple hands. You love to talk. Now here's another statistic for you. How many words on average do you think men and women use a day? There's a difference. Who do you think speaks more, uses more words? women it's women and how many on average how many words a day do women speak it's according to the bbc 20,000 20,000 words now how many words do you think men use on a daily basis somebody 7,000 somebody must have read the same article i did so women got us beat guys they got us beat Women use 20,000 on average. Men use 7,000. It doesn't mean they're all good words, though, does it? But it says, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What does it mean to reap? What does that mean? To bring in a harvest, right? Think about the farmer who sows seed. And he's going to reap a harvest. And it depends on what kind of seed he plants, That will determine the harvest that he reaps. So what consequences might we experience by speaking words? What are these consequences? It says we will reap the consequences. What kind of consequences? Sometimes our words, you know what they do? They might sever a friendship, right? Might break a relationship. Or they might inspire someone positively. They might encourage them. They might give them hope. So our words are very powerful. But I think all of us would agree, should we not listen more and talk less? Wouldn't you agree with that? That's why somebody told me a long time ago, that's why you have two ears and one mouth. Because if you have two ears, you can listen twice as much as you talk. James 3 says this in verse 3, it says this. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And how many of you have have ever ridden horseback before? Or maybe you do it regularly, right? Isn't it amazing? This huge animal, 1,400, 1,500-pound animal, it can be directed just by that small bit in its mouth, right? Isn't that amazing? And verse 4 says this, And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong. And how many of you have ever gone on a cruise? These huge ocean liners they have these days, right? Well, I, I did this as a kid. The last time I was on an ocean liner was in 1971. And do you know where I was coming from? A place called Perth, Australia. Did anybody ever heard of Perth, Australia? Do you know how far Perth, Australia is from here? Anybody know the circumference of the earth? It's about 24,000 miles. Perth, Australia is almost 12,000 miles away. Meaning it's almost on the entire opposite end of the earth. Opposite side of the earth. And we came. We were there. My family immigrated there. and We decided that wasn't the place for us when we came back. We came back in an ocean liner. But don't think it was this huge ocean liner like, you know, they, they see in these cruises, the Carnival Cruise or whatever, these cruise ships are massive. It wasn't that big. But I do know as a young boy, I was brought up to the... And what is that place called where the, where the captain is? Is that the helm or the bridge? Is that what it is, right? And he showed that there was this dial, this small dial, maybe five or six inches in diameter. And that was the thing that controlled where that ship went. And it was amazing to me, even at that age, to understand that where you go, literally all over the world can be, can be directed. This huge ship can be directed by this small dial. In verse five, it says this, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue, when it's used for, for good things, when the choice is made to, to speak life, Think about some of the great speeches in our history. How many of you remember Martin Luther King? What was his great speech? Do you remember? Say it again. I have a dream. And that inspired a whole people and gave them hope. And how about Abraham Lincoln? Does anybody remember Abraham Lincoln? Right? And what was that? The Gettysburg Address, right? Right? That declared his leader, showed his leadership and people, the, the entire country rallied around him to, to support him because he showed great courage and leadership. So our words can be used to make these grand speeches for good. But how many of you know those speeches can be for evil too? Even in our not so long ago generation, World War II, Adolf Hitler, right? Right? The speeches that he gave inspired what? Inspired hate, did they not? And it almost it almost resulted in the annihilation of a whole people. So this little member of our body, this tongue, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Verse 6 says this, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Strong words, are they not? Strong words. And when it's not under God's control, the tongue can do great, great damage. Amen? It corrupts, meaning it pollutes or contaminates not only inwardly, but outwardly. And just like fire, that's a small spark, isn't it amazing how quickly fire can spread and get out of control? And that's what happens if our tongue is not under control. So, I want to share how many of you like object lessons? Who likes an object lesson? So, for this object lesson, okay, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Come on, don't be shy. There you go. Thank you. Everybody, get, What's your name? Diane. Diane. Everybody, give Diane a hand. Diane, come on over here. All right. Now, I'm going to give you this. I'm show could everybody see what that is? Right there. Toothpaste. Toothpaste. Going to give you that. You say I got bad breath. Well, did every? <laughs> let, hang on. You know it's funny you mention that. Did everybody brush their teeth this morning? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, it's fine. No, no problem. But thank you for letting me know. Um, what I want to do is, you're going to take this brush, and I want you to put some toothpaste on that toothbrush. Now, what kind of toothpaste does everybody like? Colgate. Colgate. You like the Colgate? I'll take that back. Now, actually, I'm going to give this back to you. And forgive me, I got mine. A, I, got I got a little. It. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sorry about that. Now. This is the thing. Diane, I want you to take that toothpaste and put it back in the tube. Okay? Can you do that? Not easy, is it? Not Not easy to do. You didn't do a bad job. You didn't do a bad job. Thank you so much, Diane. That was perfect. Thank you. So... Just like the toothpaste, once it's out, is it hard to put back in, right? And even though it was put back in, it still changed the whole shape of the tube, right? And that can never be put back. Just in the same way, when we speak, when we use our words, it's hard to bring them back, isn't it? It's hard to take them back. It's etched in time. It's etched in people's memory, so our words, it's, they have a lot of power. Our words are very powerful. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. It says this. It says, a gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. A gossip. Have you ever heard gossip? Raise your hand. Have you ever participated in gossip? Be honest. Right? Right? We're tempted to gossip, aren't we? We're tempted. But it says those who do that don't hang around with chatterers. Who do you ask yourself? Who do I hang around with? Does it matter? Does it matter the people that we hang around with? Yes. Do you think that will affect the words we use? 1 yes. Corinthians fifteen thirty three says this. Bad company corrupts good character. How many of you know there's this thing called peer pressure? Right, To be like everyone else. To do the same things. To say the same things. To participate in the same things that they do. There's peer pressure. But the scripture says, bad company corrupts good character. So it's important who we hang around with. Matthew 15 says this, verse 18. It says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Do you know who made that statement? Do you know who's speaking there? Anybody? Say it again. One more time. It's Jesus doing the speaking. And guess what? He's talking to the religious leaders. Because you know what they were concerned about? They were concerned about, yes, they were concerned about that his disciples hadn't washed their hands before they ate. So they were more concerned about the cleanliness of their hands instead of the cleanliness of their hearts. They had their focus on the wrong thing. He says, the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Verse 19, it says, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And you know, Jesus was speaking this to the religious leaders and i believe since he knows everything he was as they he would, he knew what their thoughts were these were the very thoughts of those leaders he was talking about and they had to feel convicted realizing how did he know what my thoughts were they were so concerned about the outward appearance but jesus said the heart from the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery all sexual immorality theft lying and slander And Jesus also reminded everybody it's not just the act itself, but it's the thought that also counts. If you think these things, that's sin alone, not just acting them out. Verse 20 says this, These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So he says, what comes out of the heart, that's what defiles you. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, Everybody say those three words with me. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. How do we guard our heart? How do we do that? How do we protect our heart? Exactly. What are the gateways to the heart? Anybody know what the gateways are? The eyes. The ears. Right? Yes. But what we, what we look at and what we listen to, these are the gateways of the heart. What we watch and listen to will eventually get into our hearts. And it says, guard your heart above all else. This is the most important thing you can do to guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. And the course of your life is what we do and where we go. How many of you would, would raise a hand here and say, I love GPS. I like GPS. Anybody use GPS? Right? It tells you, go this way, go that way. Or if you went the wrong way, it says, recomputing, right? It tells you, when you made a mistake, it tells you which way to go. My question is, who is the narrator of your life GPS? Who are you listening to? Who are you taking direction from? Who is in charge of the course of your life and my life? Psalms 119, 105 says this. Your word, that's God's word, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And how many of you? I know Pastor Ron, he loves, he loves lights, right? How many of you love lights? And how many of you have ever been camping? Anybody? How about tent camping? Do you ever have to get up in the middle of the night and go, you know, see the, uh, go somewhere to take care of things? Did you ever have to do that? Well, I've had to do that recently. And uh, there's no lights in the campground. How many of you know? There's no lights at night, right? So thank God I had that flashlight that I could see that, that route that I stum- stumbled over the day before, right? It shows us which way to go. It shows us our obstacles, God's word is just like that light at night that shows us which way to go. So, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet, and it's a light for my path. Matthew 12 34 says this. It says this You brood of snakes. Now, who's speaking now this time? That's Jesus again, right? Now, he says, He says, snakes. Now, these must be sinners, right? These must be like vile, heathen, uh, terrible people, right? He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to the religious leaders. He says, you brood of snakes. How many of you loved the way Jesus, he he didn't pull any punches, did he? He told it like it was, right? He says, you brood of snakes. Think of a snake. Think of what a snake is. Slithery, you know. It's I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have an aversion to. I don't like any kind of snakes, even the ones that can't hurt you. I don't. I just don't like snakes. You brood of snakes! How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He was speaking to Pharisees who had the outward appearance of looking like they were they loved God, but in truth. He showed that they were not right with God because their hearts were not right with God. He says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. How many of you heard this saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Just like what we eat affects the health of our bodies. What we ingest through the gateways to our heart affects our heart, the condition of our heart, but also the words we share. So point number two, how can we speak life? How can we do that? God's word shows us how we can speak life. And how many of you know, it's a choice we make every day. This is a daily decision. It's a daily choice. Look at Proverbs 16, 24. It says this, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Kind words. Kind words. I've seen bumper stickers. I've seen, you know... It says what? Choose kindness, right? Choose. Have you ever seen that? Anybody ever seen that? Choose kindness. It's sweet to the soul and healthy for the body, just like honey. It's sweet for the soul and healthy for the body. And just lately, I've been trying this brand new. Maybe you've never heard of it. This uh, uh, this diet. Okay, it's called uh, starvation, <laughs> otherwise known as intermittent fasting. Okay. Now, my wife is great at this. I'm not that great at it, okay? And I realize that when I don't eat something in the morning, it really distracts me for the rest of the day. So I've been eating a bowl of oatmeal, and I put honey on that oatmeal. And isn't anybody have have honey on a regular basis? Oh, it tastes so good. It's so good for you. It has nutrients, it has antioxidants. It's good for your heart. It even promotes wound healing. How many? I don't know if you knew that. But just like honey is sweet, it's good for us, kind words are just like that. They are sweet. They are good for the person who's hearing them. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Proverbs fifteen four says this, Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Gentleness... Do you know the difference between a gentle word and a rough word, an aggressive word? How many of you know gentleness is a what? Fruit of the Spirit. Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. So using kind and gentle words is a choice we can make every day. Gentle words are a tree of life. But a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And how many have ever been deceived? How many would you say, maybe even a friend deceived you? And when you realized the truth, how did you feel? Betrayed? Like a, like a trust was broken, right? Deceit, Deceitful tongue, a, deceitful words crush the spirit. Proverbs 18.4 says this. Wise words. Are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. And have you ever seen that bubbling brook? Have you ever been to a place where there's a bubbling brook? We were just am uh, camping in New Hampshire, and there and it was a lot of rain. There was like six inches of rain the whole week. So all the brooks were all the brooks around us were bubbling. It was a beautiful thing, really, because it's refreshing. It's it shows life. And wise words are like deep waters. That means they're, just like waters are deep, there's depth to the words, that, that to wise words. There's depth, there's meaning. And wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It's refreshing. But how many, how many of you know there's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom? Did you know that? Or do you think all wisdom is the same? There's a difference. Look what, what it means to have godly wisdom. James 3.17 says this. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Does that sound like the definition of love? How many of you know where the definition of love is found in Scripture? Anybody know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 13. Write it down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 13. Look it up. Verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't boast. All these qualities that we see in wisdom are also qualities of true, genuine love. But look what what, uh, worldly wisdom is. 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says this. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in, And the snare of their own cleverness. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And this is the person that thinks they know better. Thinks they know better. Thinks their cleverness. Thinks their mind with their own. They don't rely on God. They rely on themselves. And thinking they're, they're clever. Or they can outsmart God. Or they don't need God. That kind of wisdom is worldly. It is foolishness to God. And he says he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Eventually they will be trapped in what they say, thinking they're so clever. Because how many of you know nothing is greater, nothing is more more awesome than the wisdom of God. Amen? We can't top that. No no person can top the wisdom of God. And wise words, they speak life. They're life-producing. So if if wisdom is important, and it's a choice we make to use wise words, let me ask you an important question. Where do we find, how do we obtain wisdom? Where do we find wisdom? Somebody said the word. That's right. But more specifically, in the word. Does anybody know? It's a book. Say it again. I can't hear you. Everybody say it a little louder. Proverbs. How many chapters are in Proverbs? Anybody know? 31. Thank you. 31. How many days are in most months? Some months? 31, right? 31 days, a chapter for each day. Proverbs. It says, and this is what it says about wisdom. In the very beginning, it says Proverbs 1, 2. It says, purpose. The purpose of this book is to teach people Wisdom. And how many of you know, part of your devotions would be a great idea to start reading the proverb for each day of the month. Proverb 1 for day 1. Proverb 2, chapter 2 for day 2. The purpose is to teach people wisdom. And listen to all the benefits. And these, I'm just going to go through these quickly. Wisdom will fill you with joy. Proverbs 2.10. Wisdom will save you from evil people. Proverbs 2.12. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman. Proverbs 2.16, wisdom is more profitable than silver. Proverbs 3.14, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Proverbs 3.15, wisdom is a tree of life. Proverbs 3.18, and getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Proverbs 4.7, so don't we need wisdom? And is it important to have wisdom? If our intention is to speak life, and it's a choice we make every day, Oh God, help us to seek your godly wisdom. And so much of it is found in the book of Proverbs. Look with me at Ephesians 4.29. It says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. What are examples of foul or abusive language? Don't say them. (laughs) Because I know you're thinking of them right now. We're exposed to these things on a regular basis, are we not? And it is, isn't it amazing? And even in the twenty years that I've been here, the difference now, the prevalence in media, it seems with with foul and abusive language, foul language. Does it not shock some people? Are you not amazed by it? There's a trend; it's going in the wrong direction. God's word says, "Don't use foul or abusive language." And I can tell you this: I became a Christian; I was saved. 34 years ago, and this was one of the first scriptures that I memorized. Back then, we we memorized King James. I still do, because you know what? Less words. It says, let no corrupt communication. Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let no corrupt communication, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything, and how much percentage is everything? Pastor Ron, he's listening right now. Everything means 100%, does it not? Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And let me ask you a question. How do we react when someone uses or abusive language, whether it's in our own homes, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's in the workplace. Do we just go along with it? Do we just use the same language? Got quiet. Do we have the courage? Do we have the courage? And believe me, I understand there's a line here between we don't want to give the impression we're holier than thou. But, but I think it's not right just to go along with the crowd. To just say the same things they do. Or, or th- not even bat an eyelash when somebody uses that kind of language. Oh God, give us holy courage and Christ-like humility to respond in that situation. In the spirit. Give us wisdom. We shouldn't just, if we're going to be honest... What would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in that situation? Think he'd just go along with it and laugh? Oh God, give us holy courage. It's a choice. It's a choice we make not to use foul or abusive language. You know what? You might be cast out of that little click at work because you don't use the same language or at school. You might not be part of The in crowd. Because you choose not to use that kind of language. It's a choice we make every day. And we can choose to speak life. Psalms 19.14 says this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. My rock and my redeemer. How many of you like, memorize scripture on a, on a regular basis? How many of you would say you do that? Or you used to do that? Maybe you used to. Well, there's a script, you know, back there, I'm going to need some help. Andrew and Daniel, would you do me a favor? Go get those little baskets in the back. These are my two of my sons right here, Andrew and Daniel. Andrew was a, a year and a half when we came here and Daniel was not around when we came here. So, this scripture, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, as they hand out this memory verse, look how, look how beautiful, Sue Bradley did this. I want to thank Sue. Isn't that beautiful? That little, looks great, doesn't it? Thank you, Sue Bradley, if you're listening. You did a great job. But it says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And It's not meant to just be kept in your Bible. It's meant to be kept in your pocket. Whether it's your your trousers or whether it's your shirt. Keep it in your pocket and bring it out. This week, by the end of the, this week, can we all commit to memorizing this one scripture? And I want to share something. Uh, every My son Daniel is uh, going to be a sophomore at High School. And... Uh, Every morning, I bring him and his friend, Jake, to school. And uh, we have a little time of prayer before, before I let, let him go out to school. And do you know that I, this is probably the prayer that I pray most often for them. May the words of their mouth and the meditations of their heart be pleasing to you, O to you, oh Lord. How is it important, the words we say? Do we want to please God? Raise your hand if you want to please God. Almost everybody wants to please God. Thank God. We want to please God. May the words of my mouth and the ministrations of my heart, it's not just the words we share, but it's the things we think about. Now, does everybody have a memory verse card? Can we all, on the count of three, can we all repeat this verse together? Can we do that? One, two, three. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalms 19, 14. I'm going to give you another little little thing you can do to encourage your faith. Before you go to bed at night, listen to the Psalms. If you're driving, if you have any kind of commute to your, to your work. And how many of you have the Bible app on your phone? Anybody? If you don't, you should download it. You can listen to the Psalms. You can listen to them as you're going to work, wherever you're going, or as you're falling asleep at night. And, and I will say this, when you listen to the Psalms, your sleep is going to be sweet. Let me tell you, it is. Listen to the Psalms. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So it's not only our words, but what we think about. And this should be our daily moment-by-moment prayer. So think about it for a minute. What words and meditations please God? What do you think? What words and meditations please God? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm glad you asked. What meditations, please God? Look with me in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says this. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say that. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And how many of you ever do a search online and use filters to filter the search? Anybody ever do that? Use filters? Know what I'm talking about? Filtering a search, online search? These conditions for your thoughts are like filters. So it's not, the thought, it can't, it's not that it just meets one of these conditions, but it's that the thought meets all of these conditions. So in other words, you might think of something that's true, but it certainly isn't lovely. Something might be pure, but it's not admirable. So another little homework task for you. Think about things in the fil- as if these filters, these conditions were filtering the thoughts you think about. And I want you to write down things that you can think about that meet all of these conditions. But it's a choice we make. But God is giving us the tools to make the right choice, to speak life. Romans 12.2 says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think, right? And, and how are we being transformed? What are we looking at? What are the thoughts that we're thinking that's transforming us? And how does this process work? How many of you have a quiet time with God on a regular basis? Do you spend time with him? Do you spend time in his presence? Do you go alone to an undistracted location, whether it's in your house or outside of your house? And do you try to get quiet to hear God's still small voice? It says, let God transform you by spending time with him and by avoiding too much social media. Hello. How many of you like to scroll through the Facebook posts, right? I know I got some young people here. They, they're saying Facebook. Nobody, nobody looks at Facebook anymore. Dad. Whatever it is. TikTok, right? Snapchatter. Is that one? Snapchat, Right? What's another one? Instagram? How many? How many social media? we got to check them all, right? Oftentimes, isn't it, isn't it addictive to kind of go through that and look? All of a sudden you realize, man, I just did that for 15 minutes and I didn't even get anything done. So let, that's not going to transform you. I guarantee you this, folks. It's not gonna, if you're looking to be transformed, that's not going to do it. By controlling what we allow to go in our eye gate, and our ear gate. That's how we let God transform us. It's a choice we make. It's a choice. First Peter 3.10 says this. For the scriptures say, if. Everybody say, if. Yeah. That means it's conditional. Right? It says, if you want to enjoy life. Now, how many of you, to be honest, do you want to enjoy life? Yeah. All right. About 10 of you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> good. 10 people want it. And the rest of you want to be miserable. Right? Is that it? Yeah. If you want to enjoy life, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days. And I'm not talking about the, the, the sitcom from 50 years ago. Okay. Who remembers happy days? Anybody? Okay. ooh, A lot of hands. Okay. It says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Keep means to control. And this is where we need the Holy Spirit to control our lives, right? This is where we need to surrender. This is where we need God to be Lord of our lives. Especially with the words we say. It's a choice. If it says, if you want to enjoy life, well, of course, we all want to enjoy life and see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil. And your lips from telling lies. Proverbs 21 23 says this Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Don't you love the the, the, just the straight word of God, right? Keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. You'll stay out of trouble. How many of you want to stay out of trouble? Keep your mouth shut. James 1 19 says, Be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Slow to wrath. Exactly. Be swift to hear. Slow to speak. How many times have you heard someone say, my mouth always gets me in trouble? Anybody, you ever hear somebody say that? Oh, my mouth, and they laugh it off. My own mouth always gets me in trouble. Well, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. So you know what I'm going to do? Keep my mouth shut. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be quiet. There's a time to keep your mouth shut. It's a choice we make every day. Look with me. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. It says today. Today. Everybody say today. Today. I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. It's a choice. It's your choice. Now, look at your neighbor across the aisle and say, it's your choice. Your choice. Look to your other neighbor and say, it's your choice. your choice. Now, I want you all to point to me and say, it's my choice, your choice. It's your choice. It's our choice. We have a choice. God shows us how we can speak life. Have we not just looked at those scriptures? And we're just scratching the surface here, folks. But these are ways we can speak life and not speak death. And he says, I call on you. I call on heaven and earth. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. But we can, we can, this is in, for today's context. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. It's not just you. Guess what? Don't you want your descendants to experience abundant life? Amen? There's a promise. Here's a promise from Scripture. Choose life. Choose to speak life. It's a choice we make. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you want to memorize that scripture? That is one of the most important in all the Bible. It says if you openly declare, what does that mean? It means you tell someone, you tell them publicly, you're not ashamed, of, you're not a closet Christian, you're not ashamed of the gospel. The apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jews first, and also to the Gentiles. I am not ashamed of the gospel. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, when I came here 20 years ago, they had these things. They handed them out at the end of the service. It was called a cassette tape. (laughs) Does anybody remember cassette tapes? Anybody? Well, I have about 10 of them in my upper dresser drawer. My son reminded me. Not quite full. Last night I said it was full. There's only 10, he said, in there, Dad. But this one is from, uh, this one is dated January 2nd, 2004. And it says Extreme Makeover. Who was here, Who's that? at Faith Living Church 2004? Does anybody remember that series, Extreme Makeover? Remember that, it was, a, it was a television show, right? Remember Extreme Makeover? Well, Pastor Ron did a series, Extreme Makeover. But more important than that, every single cassette tape that was distributed, do you know what it said on, on the end of the tape? Do you know what it said? It said, Jesus is Lord. Now, everybody, let's say that together, collectively. Jesus is Lord. It said every single tape had printed Jesus is Lord on it. And I remember thinking, that's good enough for me. That's my church. I believe Jesus is Lord. They confess Jesus is Lord. That's my church. Keep it simple. Jesus is Lord. If you confess, if you openly declare and I can remember, you know, I've known the Lord now for 34 years. I remember that so well. It was in Philadelphia. It was a big coliseum. I wouldn't say that big, but it was a some kind of a convention center. There was about 2,000 people in that convention center. And the evangelist had one scripture that he preached. It was, Behold the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. That was the whole message. Behold, look upon the Lamb of God. Look upon Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away, doesn't cover it over, he takes it away. And I remember God had been preparing me. I'd been reading my good news Bible that I got when I was a kid. I've been reading it, I've been going to Bible study, I've been listening to Christian radio. And I knew something was missing. But He came. I came to that. I came when, it, when there was a there was an invitation at the end. If you want to accept Jesus, if you realize that there's something missing, and you need Jesus, come forward and confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And I came forward. Tears in my eyes. God forgive me. And you talk about having to get a, a control over my tongue, folks. You know, the, there's this song the psalm says psalm 51 created me a clean heart well i needed created me a, a clean tongue i needed a tongue because the words i used were not glorifying to god but god changed me as i invited christ as i surrendered i was no longer the captain of my life my own life but i said lord you it's time for you to take control i want you to be lord of my life 34 years ago. And it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everybody say saved. Verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So our words we speak, the words we use have great power, mighty power, power enough to save us. And you say, what do we need to be saved from? Well, guess what? We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? No one is righteous, not even one. And God requires perfection. No sinless. No one can have sin in his presence. And the only one that met that criteria was his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent because he loved the world so much. He sent Jesus that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We need to be saved, each one of us. The the wages of our sin, what we get for our sin, is death. Both here, physical death and eternal death. So we need to be saved. And this is the way to be saved right here. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. We are justified by faith. By grace we are saved, through faith that not of ourselves, it's a gift from God, not of works, so no one can boast, and is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Tell somebody, if you've never told somebody publicly, that you love the Lord. And when you share your testimony, I want to encourage you something that not many people do, even believers. When you talk about Jesus, refer to Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust me, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Last point, three, um, point three. Believers are in a spiritual battle. We, how many of you know we are in a battle? We are in a battle to speak life. Are we not? Yes. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are in a battle. And there's a battle for control of our mind. And he has, he's trying to keep those who are searching for God from finding him. Our enemy, the devil. The enemy of our soul. Satan. He's the father of lies the accuser of the brethren. We are in a battle for control of our mind. But we're equipped with armor. How many of you know what the armor is? We have the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of what? Faith. The belt of what? Truth. Our feet are covered with sandals. With shoes of the the gospel of peace. Preparation of the gospel of peace. That's right. But the most important piece of armor is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word word of God. We are are equipped for this battle. And the Word of God divides truth from error, just so you understand. The Word of God divides truth from error. If you want the truth, God's Word is absolutely true, will always be true. That's the barometer for truth. And this is where the battle is. It's between truth and error. And we are equipped with spiritual armor. It talks about arguments and every high thing. These are thoughts, ideas, philosophies that are opposed to God's truth that keep people from the knowledge of God. And it says every thought, bringing every thought, every idea, motive, desire, and decision into the full obedience of Christ. We have the resources as believers to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. Yes, we're in a battle. Yes, we are. And oftentimes it's a battle in our minds. 1 Peter 5.8 says this stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. How do we stay alert? How do we stay alert? Stay alert. Praying. Continuously, keeping that relationship going. The Bible says that we're never to stop, never to stop praying, 1 Thessalonians 5:17. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. And how does our enemy devour? How does does he devour us? How does he try to devour us? Using lies, deceit, evil thoughts, doubts. And those can get into our hearts and result in the words we say. Our enemy is actively looking for ways to tempt, overwhelm, and discourage believers. Our enemy, how many of you know our enemy wants us to give up? Stop praying. Stop believing. Stop sharing your faith. Stop reading the word. wants us to give up. But look at Matthew 6.33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What are you seeking? Ask yourself the question. What are you really seeking? Are you seeking fame, fortune? Are you seeking a mate? Above all else, seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. And he will give you everything you you need. It says live righteously. What does that mean? Live like Jesus lived. Right? Follow him. What would Jesus do? Live to bring glory to God. Live to speak life. Choose. It's an everyday decision that we choose to speak life. And it says God, he will give you everything you need. Don't you want to be provided everything you need? There's two conditions. Seek his kingdom above all else and live righteously. God, help us today, this morning, to put these words into practice. Realign our hearts, Lord, to seek you and your kingdom above all else. Amen? It's so distracting, the world we live in. The everyday world is distracting Things to do, families to take care of, jobs to, to attend to, you know, family members to attend to. Oh, God, help us to seek your kingdom above all else and to live righteously. Because if we do that, we will find ourselves more often than not speaking life and not death. Amen. And don't we all want to do that? Speak life. I hope you're encouraged this morning. I'm going to end there. But we're going to take a moment to pray. And let's bow our heads and take a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word, Lord. I thank you for the words and the uh, the scriptures that we've shared this morning, Father, that talk about speaking life. Our tongue has this potential to speak life and to speak death. God, help us to surrender control to your Our tongue to your control, Lord. And this happens every day. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make to use kind words, to use gentle words, to use wise words. And Father, fill us with godly wisdom so when we speak, those words have meaning, they have depth, and they make a difference. Help us to be an encouragement. Help us to say nothing that would discourage, but help us in every way be an encouragement to those who hear us, Lord. We know that there's a spiritual battle. Father, equip us to be victorious in this spiritual battle that we face every day. And as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to encourage anyone here. If you have never, I talked about my own testimony of salvation, how I came to the Lord this morning. And if if you have never received Jesus Christ, if you've never been born again, if you're not sure that you're saved, I want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you're listening online or you're here in the the building, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer just like I did 34 years ago. And it doesn't matter what you've done. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's word says, cleanses us from all sin. We sang about it. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. So as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never received Him, if you're not sure... If you don't have the assurance that you're going to heaven, because true faith is the assurance of things hoped for, then I invite you to pray with us. We're all going to reaffirm our faith in just a moment, but I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that you love me because you sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to shed his blood so that I can be forgiven I know I'm a sinner I confess that Jesus is the Savior I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and your word says when I do those things I will be saved help me to live for you Every day of my life. life. And may you be Lord of my tongue. tongue. In In Jesus' name. Amen.